0: Invite you to stand as we reverence the reading of God's word. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Which will not be taken away from her. May God bless the reading of his word is my prayer. You may be seated. This morning we're going to look at a message that I call in need. Uh, Just a perfect song, uh, the worship that was presented earlier. How we are to be at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is that all that we need. Many distractions in this world, but it is Jesus that our attention should be on. And so the message this morning is called in need. We are all in need whether we recognize it or not. You may have walked uh, here this morning with all sorts of pain and suffering and sickness and disease and heartache and hurt. Your life may be a mess as you are under the sound of my voice. Maybe from a person... In this world that has hurt you, maybe from your own inflictions, your own sin, maybe you are just running at your wit's end and you have nothing less to give, nothing left to give. You've poured out and you've poured out and you, you feel as if you were empty and you found yourself in need. This is a, a, a something that uh, my wife and I say to each other, each other uh, every once in a while, like, I just feel empty. And I think that we all get to those those moments in our life where we just feel empty. We've poured out and we've given ourselves and we've done all that we know we can do and there's nothing left. The, The jar is empty and where do we run to when things are empty is a question, you know, for the... Pantry is empty at the house or the fridge is empty. We may run to the store. But in our spiritual life, where do we run when we are spiritually empty? When we are spiritually poured out, there's nothing left. We are at our wit's end. We're at the end of the road and there's a why and we have to choose which way to go. Maybe it's, it is that you've been chasing after the world. And the world has gotten a hold of you. And you've let the world uh, rule and dictate your life, and that leads to, to nothing. And you've come to that moment, like the prodigal son, where you realize that if I would just go to my father's house, if I would just go be in the presence of my father, things would be much better. I would be filled up again. I would have his protection. I would have his warmth. I would have his security. In need. Maybe it's finances that have left you empty and broken. Maybe it's hurt that you've inflicted on yourself, or maybe somebody else has inflicted on you. Maybe it is relationship problems, addictions, sin. And the list could go on and on about things that will leave us empty, things that will bring about nothing. I don't know what it is that you walked in here with this morning that is weighing you down. But for the next few moments, I invite you to look at the text with me and allow God's Word to speak and move into your life. We'll start off in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I love preaching uh, passages that I've never preached before, but I also love preaching passages that I've preached before. Uh, But this is one that I've never preached before, and so uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, Mary and Martha, we've all grew up hearing about the the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, If you've been in church for very long, then then you are accustomed to this uh, story here, and and you already know how it all plays out. But here for just a moment, I ask you uh, to go on this journey with me through the Scripture as we will notice a few things. And so Jesus' ministry was mainly spent in Galilee and the region, region surrounding Galilee. But here we find Jesus in a place called Bethany. We know it to be Bethany because this is where we will find Martha, Mary, and Lazarus later on in the text. In John chapter 11, verse 18, it says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And so Bethany was a city on the outskirts of Jerusalem, if Jerusalem had outskirts. I don't know if it was the slums. I don't know if it was on the wrong side of the tracks. We don't know too much about Bethany. Uh, But we do know that Bethany was two miles outside, uh, to be exact. And so just a chapter before our text in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus' intention for his traveling. Uh, Everything that Jesus did had a purpose, if you hadn't figured that out yet. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so at the point in Jesus' ministry, his sights are set on Jerusalem. The cross is where he is headed. He will make a few stops along the way. Uh, on the way to on the way to Jerusalem, and yes, he will go into Jerusalem and come out of Jerusalem. Uh, but the cross, Golgotha, is his final destination. The Golgotha is what he has in mind. His face was towards Jerusalem because it was his father's will that he would soon give up his life and would offer salvation to a lost and dying world. Jesus submitted to the Father, and he knew that he had to go to Jerusalem. And so here we have Jesus in the midst of two sisters while he is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, it'll take him a little time to get there, but Jesus stops in at Bethany. And there most likely would have been others there besides Mary and Martha. Uh, Lazarus could have even been there, even though he is not mentioned the disciples most likely would have been there with Jesus. The onlookers most likely would have been around. Uh, and uh, we will look in, uh, later on tonight if you come back. But the Pharisees could have even been around. And So it says in verse 38. Now it happened as they went into and entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into their house. Into her house. And so Jesus enters Bethany, and we see from the text that he is welcomed by a particular woman named Martha. This is the first time that we see Martha mentioned in Scripture. But it could be possible that Jesus had already interacted with Martha before, and even Mary and Lazarus before. And it could be possible if they were already followers, believers of Jesus. The text does not say, so we can only infer but Martha does invite Jesus into her house. And so we see a little bit about Martha. And don't forget, she's two miles from Jerusalem. And Jesus is controversial uh, then, and Jesus is controversial now. And so this was a big deal for Martha to invite Jesus into her house. You know, we all know, uh, if you've been around very long, that Martha was large and in charge. She was. We all know that in sibling groups, there's a pecking order. Uh, We have chickens at the house, some of you know this, and there's a pecking order in my coop, and I come first. (laughs) But in sibling groups, there's a pecking order. I am the second of four boys, and so there was definitely a pecking order in our sibling group. And if you have siblings, you know that who's in charge. Uh, you know that when mom and dad would leave when you were a child, and some of you are teenagers and, and children now, that your mom and dad would look at you and say, "You're in charge." And so, what does that mean? That that means exactly what it means. That the oldest sibling usually was the one who was calling the shots. Now, like I said, I'm the second oldest, so I wasn't in charge. I don't know, I might have been in charge. But, uh, you know, my older brother, he was three years older than me, and so he obviously was the one who was in charge when we were kids. The oldest is the one who, you know, is watching out for the youngers. You know, even it even happens here. Uh, if you stick around on Sunday afternoons, uh, you might see a lot of kids playing around in the gym there. And uh, Lance Copeland, he's the oldest one. I usually tell Lance, Lance, you're in charge. And so, you know, it's something that just comes natural with age. And so we can uh, guess that Martha was the oldest, that it was her house, that she invited Jesus and and those who were following him into her house. Uh, The oldest always or tends to always believe uh, they're the one who must uh, take the lead in every situation. They can be bossy. Uh, I'm the only second second child, or the you know, in the ranking order. The oldest can be bossy. Uh, the oldest can be pushy. Uh, the oldest can be demanding because they feel that sense of responsibility. You know, for some reason, this idea never goes away. As you get older, the oldest always thinks they're still in charge, right? You go to a family gathering, we were all just at Thanksgiving, I can guarantee that one of your older siblings was telling you what to do, and you might be 60 years old. It never goes away. And it doesn't take very long of being a younger sibling to understand, uh, and I'm being sarcastic, that the older sibling is never wrong. They're always right. Martha, she does catch uh, most of the negative heat here in this passage. But we must remember that it was Martha who invited Jesus into her home. Martha's intentions were pure. Martha's heart, for the most part, was set towards Jesus. It was Martha who, when her brother Lazarus was dead, believed that Jesus could raise him from the dead. We see this in John chapter 11, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, and so we see Martha's faith, faith even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And so we, we might have a tendency to look at this passage and just, and just place all this negativity on Martha. But Martha's faith uh, was there. Uh, Martha, uh, for the most part, had her eyes set towards Jesus, but here in a moment, we'll look at her, her downfall. Martha exhibited faith in the moments that we see her displayed in, in Scripture. But we will look in a moment at few attentions. What you value the most is what you, your attention will be on. You may say, I value my children the most. And so your children will be the center of your attention. You may say, I value my spouse the most, and so your spouse will be the center of your attention. Maybe it's your career that is the center of your attention because you place the most value on your career, and maybe, or it could be because of money. Maybe it's success or popularity. What you value the most is what your attention will be on. But sometimes the things that have grabbed our attention are distracting us from where our eyes should be. And not everything that grabs our attention is bad. I mentioned children and a career and spouse or families. Those are not bad things. Those are good things that the Lord has instituted. But it's when we let those things be the center of our world, the center of our focus, that our eyes are not on Jesus. Our eyes are on the other things, whatever the other things might be. And so, first, we will look at Mar- Martha's distraction. It says this in verse 40 But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And so we've said this that Martha was the one who invited Jesus into her home. And the scripture tells us what Mary was doing. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's listening to the words that Jesus is saying. Well, we'll finish up on Mary here in just in a moment, but for now let's focus on Martha. Martha, the one that we look at, we say, Martha, what are you doing? Jesus is right there. We have this great encounter taking place. Anytime Jesus is on the scene, it's a great encounter. And so we have this great encounter taking place. And it just so happens that Jesus has come to Bethany. And he has come to the household of Mary and Martha. And we can assume Lazarus. And he's invited into this home with these sisters. He's on his way to Jerusalem, headed to Wagatha. But for now, the Savior was sitting on the floor of their home. The Savior, uh, in his uh, human form, was in this house, uh, sitting on the floor. And he has people around him, as he always did, for the most part. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Some of us, uh, us in the room can relate to being distracted. ADHD. I live with it. But I might see a squirrel and chase after it. If you stay around, for me, around me very long, you, you will know that uh, you know uh, my attention span goes like that, right? I've got to be outside doing something, using my hands. But we get distracted in life. And some of you in the room today, if you're like me, you can find distractions all around you. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's distracted. How would you like to go down in history as someone who is distracted? Someone who is not focused on the things that they should have been focused on. You know, we can all take out our cell phones and we can say, I get distracted on that thing. We can look at different things that we do and we say, I get distracted there. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Some translations say that she was distracted with much preparations. Martha was busy. She was a busybody. You know the feeling you get when somebody's coming over to your house and Maybe the house is a wreck if you have kids like we do, and there's toys everywhere, and uh, you need to sweep this and clean up that. Or maybe somebody's coming over unannounced. You know, you hear a knock on the door, and you, oh, man, i got to clean this up really fast. And so you go into panic mode. We've got to get this done. You know, what are we going to eat? Are they staying the night? Where are they going to sleep? Have we changed those sheets in a while? You all know what I'm talking about. We go into panic mode because we have guests that are coming to our house and we want the best for our guest. Uh, It's still the same today as it was uh, in in Jesus' time. You know, we want to make sure that our house looks presentable. We want to make sure that our kids at least look halfway presentable. That we have things in order so that when our guests come, uh, we don't have to be doing all the distracting things. That we can just focus on our guest. But here we have Martha distracted. You know, when we have people over, and all the men in the room can relate to this, like my wife, she'll have this order of things we need to do. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. Maybe we're preparing for the next day somebody's coming over. And the men in the room will relate to this, like, hey, we've got to go out there and blow them leaves that are on the back 40. Uh, or we've got to go fill in that hole that's out there in the front yard because they might trip on it, right? Or we've got to go fix that drawer that... It's been wonky for a while. I don't know what it is about us guys, but we just get distracted when like, we're trying to get ready for somebody to come over. But you see Martha here, she was focused on serving the guest, which is not a wrong thing. She was not wrong for wanting to serve Jesus and the people that were there with Jesus. But she had chosen the thing that would not last. This word distracted here means to be dragged around, to be distracted, to be overoccupied. It can apply to both the physical and the mental. Anyone in the room feel like you've been dragged around lately by the activities in your life? You know, I know all the families in the room, you're coming off of soccer and baseball and wrestling and Flag football, uh, and you're coming off all these things, and I just felt like we were being dragged around for a few months with all these activities and scheduling and things that we have to do, have to do, and things that we, uh, places we have to be. It could be work, it could be hobbies. The sports, the careers, uh, watching the hogs play. Uh, You know, you're distracted by all of these things. Too many times we place value on things that are not necessary. And when we do this, we stretch ourselves thin. And we stretch ourselves thin some more. And then thin some more uh, with these unnecessary things. And we turn around and we wonder why we're so frustrated all the time. We're doing so much in today's world. Uh, you know, if you're uh, you know, looking on Instagram or Facebook, if you're, you, know, you see what people are doing, you're like, well, i got to do that too. And you get distracted by the things that you want to do and you have to do. And so now you're being pulled away. You're being dragged away by all these things. And your attention's not where it should be. And we wonder why our spiritual life is suffering. We wonder why we are walking around with this cloud over our head. We wonder why our relationships are not what they should be. Martha was in the kitchen, she was making the beds, getting dinner ready, banging pots and pans the whole time. She was frustrated. This is us today. We we, we walk around and we're so frustrated. We're so on edge. We're living life 90 miles an hour. We're not slowing down to focus on Jesus. We're doing everything that we can do in today's world. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to go here. We got to give our kids this. We got to give our grandkids this. We got to take them here. We got to take them there. And yet we lose focus on Jesus. Our eyes go away from him because we're too busy going about. Martha, she was frustrated, upset. She was so frustrated that she went to Jesus and we see in verse 40, she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She was sincere in her question. Her heart wasn't in the right place, but she was insincere, Lord. I'm so aggravated. Do you not care that I have all this to do? And my sister's there. She's just being a lazy bones. Sitting at your feet. It was pretty bold of her to walk up to Jesus. You know, I imagine she walked up with a pot in her hand and a hand on a hip. I can just imagine that. Maybe a clay vase. It wasn't cast iron. It could have been. But, probably with an attitude, Lord, do you not care that I'm doing all this serving and my sister, the freeloader, she's just sitting on the ground. Notice how easy it is to look at what others are doing when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Martha's condemning her sister And her sister chose the right thing. How many times do we do that? It's time that we stop looking down on others for what they are led to do and worry about our own self and worry about what the Lord has called us to do. Martha even justifies that she is doing the right thing. She says, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this by myself? I'm doing the right thing, I'm serving. I'm going 90 miles an hour. I'm getting the house ready. I'm getting the food ready. I'm getting the bed ready. And yet Martha missed it. She missed Jesus right in front of her because she was distracted. And she tells Jesus in a way, I know you care. She asked him, do you not even care? I know you care. Tell her to help me. In verse 41, we see Jesus answer Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things. Martha was worried about so much. She had allowed her service and preparing and her planning and her cooking and her cleaning become a chore rather than a blessing. Her duties as a woman of the house became a distraction. And she was grumbling the whole time. She was upset. She was frustrated. Someone once said, if serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with our service. Now, I don't know what troubles you. I don't know what's pulling you around, what's dragging you around. Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is your children. Maybe it is trying to keep up with the Joneses. Martha had allowed her service from preparing to become this chore, and sometimes I think that we've allowed all these things that we're doing to become a chore. I don't know what things are have you busy. We all have those things that pull us away, but we can look at Mary's example for our answer to this problem. We see this in verse 39. We see Mary's desire, Martha's distraction, and Mary's desire. And, he had a, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. As far as society and culture were concerned, Mary should have been helping Martha prepare. Those who were serving would not uh, have been sitting at the feet of those who they were serving, uh, but they would have been behind them, waiting on them, serving them as they needed something. Not Mary. Mary knew the moment that she was in. She realized the moment that she was in. And she chose, willingly chose, to take the best part. She chose to to, uh, seat herself at the feet of Jesus. Mary understood something that Martha did not. And we all need to understand this too. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Mary knew that the dishes had to be done. Mary knew that the food had to be cooked. Yet she knew that at the feet of Jesus, she would find exactly what she needed. She was in need, and her needs led her to the feet of Jesus. Too many times we're running around after things that we don't need. We're making ourselves more busy. We're planning more. We've got the schedule filled up for next year. where we should be is at the feet of Jesus, taking it all in. Mary chose what she needed. We tend to focus on perfection. And when we focus on perfection, we take our eyes off of the perfect Savior. Martha had to get it all right. She had to plan it all together. She had to make sure that everything was going to be in place. And it distracted her. We feel as if we've got to have it all together and get it all right. And if we don't, we feel like we failed. But I tell you, Mary didn't feel like a failure sitting at the feet of Jesus. And neither will you. Psalms 37:4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Mary's full attention at this moment was Jesus. We don't see from the scripture that anything else was grabbing her attention. She was focused on Jesus and Jesus alone and the words that he said. It was important to her. She placed value upon it. Her delight was Jesus. It's almost as if we have this picture of a little child sitting before something they've been waiting so long for. Maybe it's a Christmas present. Christmas is coming up. And they're sitting and they're waiting. They've been waiting so long for it and they're grinning from ear to ear. Mary was taking every moment in. She was taking every word in. Paul would beg the believers to live in such a way that we present our body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We give ourselves up. We pour ourselves out at the feet of Jesus, not at the feet of the world. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ, who lives in us through the Spirit. We place our life at the feet of Jesus and say, it's yours. We see Mary doing this in this moment. She is at the feet of Jesus and her whole life in that moment is in in Jesus' hands. I pray that our desires would be set towards Jesus. Just as Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. I pray that we would set our face towards Jesus. We see next, and lastly, Jesus' declaration. And we see this in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Jesus really hits the nail on the head here. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus used this moment to call out Martha for where her heart was. Jesus used this same word, worried, when he said, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? One translation put it this way, that Martha was anxious and bothered about so many things. Anxiety is at an all-time high in the world that we live in today. Many of us in the room suffer with anxiety. With unrest in in our spirit. Unrest in our body. Martha was anxious and she was bothered about what all was going on. And Jesus declares that Mary has chosen the one thing that was needed. The dishes the cooking, the bed making, they were secondary to what Mary had had chosen. They were secondary to what Mary had uh, chose to do. Mary was at the feet of Jesus. She chose the right thing. She chose what she knew that she needed. We don't need more scheduling. We need more time at the feet of Jesus. We can focus on preparing we can focus on doing this and doing that. But what does it matter if we don't include Jesus in it? You may say, my life is not what it should be. I feel as if my devotion to the Lord is growing thin. Can I beg you to choose the good part? Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we live in such a way that we give Jesus our second best, and we wonder why we've gotten to the mess that we're in. Jesus tells Martha that Mary chose what will not be taken away from her. The Scripture says, "All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the excuse me, but the word of the Lord." endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The word of the Lord endures forever. Mary knew that it was a critical moment in her life that she would be at the feet of Jesus. She wasn't worried about everything else that was going on. She wasn't distracted. She was focused on Jesus. As believers, there will be time and time again We'll have to return to the feet of Jesus. We've gotten distracted. We've gotten busy. And we realize it. And if we are a child of God, we should have that realization in us, I need to get back to the feet of Jesus. My life is out of order. Maybe life has been busy and things have been pulling you away. We have an opportunity to choose the good part. We have a blessing in the good part. You know, Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow after Jesus with your life. You're sitting under the sound of my voice and you've never once found yourself at the feet of Jesus. You've come into this place and you've been trying everything else. You've been trying to Live your life this way and live your life that way. Place attention here to fill that hole in your heart. But there's only one thing that can fill that hole in your heart, one person, and that's Jesus Christ. I beg you, I plead with you to choose the good part. And for those of us who have chosen the good part, I plead with you to don't let life get you distracted. Don't let the cares of this world crowd out Jesus' rightful place in your life. Jesus should have the the throne of our heart. We should place him on the throne. We should want to give him glory with our life. And not be distracted by things of this world. But give him the attention. Let us pray.